You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing fine. You're at an undisclosed location. That's right. And you're not going to get it out of me where I am. You're at the non-zero realist uh, headquarters. You've guessed. That's so weird. Uh, it's uncanny. That's where I am. Those are non-zero realist memos behind me on the wall. Um, okay. Um, well, I don't have a cutesy opening because I'm going to start by admitting that you were right about something important last time. I was actually wrong it, about something too, but I, I prefer to. I think you, you're you're moving us in the right direction. You're talking about something well, in the parrot room that yeah. happened in last week's parrot room. Yeah, in the parrot room last time we had a big argument over replacement theory, uh, just apropos of nothing. Uh, like the shooting hadn't happened yet. Right. Uh, uh, we were just in the abstract talking about whether it was irresponsible of Tucker Carlson to invoke replacement theory, and you said it was irresponsible, and I may be misquoting you, irresponsible of him to uh, pick on the exact words that Nazis use uh, uh, and fringe uh, crazy right-wing groups use. Uh, and I said, well, but you, you know, you can't let these people, uh, you know, uh, veto the terms of the debate. The, the, and, the crazy you, people will have won if we avoid making the right, crazy right. people and crazy. And we couldn't talk about welfare reform if you worried about crazy people because crazy people are animated by welfare reform. And I, I can see now that, well, I can see now that you were right because a couple of reasons, but the main reason is, the main two reasons are the crazy people have guns and will use them uh, in ways that... Uh, they hadn't used them since 2019, but they have used them with some regularity. So you, you, the cost of uh, of using their words is great, even though there's not much evidence that this guy in Buffalo was a listener of Tucker Carlson or was in any way influenced by, by Tucker Carlson or would have done anything differently if Tucker Carlson had never lived. You never know in the background, you know, his affirmations may have you know, prompted some people on the Reddit, Reddit and 4 he was a 4chan fascist, basically. And he listened to 4chan and maybe they were, they had their, they were motivated in part because they knew that they had some approval from somebody at Fox. Uh, and the second thing is something I actually wrote about after the El Paso shooting, which was in 2019, Mm -hmm. and which Jonathan Chait uh, reiterated this week in a column I otherwise disagreed with, but this is, I think, a correct point, which is the slippery slope to violence when it comes to immigration, and this guy was animated by immigration, this shooter, uh, is the slippery slope to violence is greater than on other issues. So even, you know, nobody, very few people are going to go shoot up uh, a mall over tax reform or the minimum wage or taxing the rich, or or excessive taxation, though some some will, uh, or even welfare. Welfare just does not prompt shootings the way immigration does, and there's a reason for that. It's because immigration takes a concrete form in if you if you're for immigration restriction, or even create this crazy guy believe that uh, somehow that not only was there replacement that the blacks who'd been here for centuries were somehow the replacers. Right. Uh, he was a full-on racist fascist. Uh, uh, the people are there, and you can the, the object of your 
uh, uh, if you're a, a crazy venomous person, the object of your venom is there. And what's more, uh, you have some hope of succeeding. In other words, if, if this is why, you know, in Germany, Nazis routinely beat up immigrants on street corners is because they have some actually some hope of chasing these people out of the country in a way which you don't on minimum wage or tax reform. So, so the slippery slope is there and the violence is there. So you're irresponsible to adopt their terminology in a way that affirms them. Uh, even if it affirms also of other people who aren't Nazis, you have, there's sort of an obligation to find a better words. Better right, right. I mean, not not just, but and and I don't think it's just that replacement happens to be the term they use. So avoid using the exact terms they use. Replacement is a word chosen because it's part of a conspiracy theory that particularly incites people. They're trying to replace you. They're trying to replace you, which, as I've argued, is not. Strictly speaking, true. Even well, if you accept what what Tucker is saying about how, yes, they want to lower what they'd rather have a better, uh, they they want to lower wages and they want and, and actually one of his main spiels has been they're bringing them in to vote Democratic. Well, he, well that's he, certainly not replace. That's diluting your vote. It's not replacing your vote. Let's well, replace it. it, it it's Mickey, it, it, <laughs> no. Uh, the, this, the, is, uh, this is how you started last week. Okay. The. Uh, well, saying replacement is accurate. Um, no, no, I don't I think, think it is. I think I don't think it's accurate. And in the in the uh, the conspiracy theory is is the two hundred proof version, as Ramesh Panura says, is 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 completely wrong. And the uh, the attribution of a hundred percent of the motivation of Democrats is uh, electoral is wrong. There's idealism. Right. There's there's a bit, but but. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there is a by choosing the electoral thing. I thought that Tucker was choosing what he thought was the least objectionable replacement theory, because people have been talking about how in the coalition of the ascendant, uh, you know, the immigrants were going to be in that coalition, and the working class whites actually, you could say that they were being replaced in that coalition, well, uh, maybe. and. And, and and people have been talking about that. So all, all Tucker was saying is take these people at their word. The if even if I accept that he chose the less incendiary of the two actual scenarios, the language he chose is intentionally incendiary replacement. They're gonna replace you. And his motivation is the same as the conspiracy theorists in the sense that he wants to get people riled up. He wants ratings and he's getting them. And, and, and uh, what amazed me, which I didn't realize, is that uh, in 2021, he said the following. First, he described this thing where they're, they're bringing in these voters. They don't care about you. He compared it to like if, you're, if your parents brought, adopted new kids and started treating them a lot better than you and they don't care about you anymore, and they're and and you'd be justified in saying they're trying to replace us. Well, again, not, not strictly speaking, but anyway, uh, here's his quote. In political terms, this policy is called the great replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from foreign countries. What I didn't realize is that he said this two years after the uh, Christchurch mosque shooter 
titled his manifesto, The Great Replacement. And Tucker Carlson is using the phrase, The Great Replacement, after that happened, okay? Right. I mean, it, it just blows my mind. And, and uh, it, there's just, I just don't see the excuse. And again, I'm not suggesting that he not make any substantive argument he wants to make, including the ones he made. But if you can make them, actually, I would say more accurately, but certainly as accurately, without using language that A, is the very language that is, you know, not even a dog whistle, it's so obvious, the very language used by the conspiracy theory racist crazies, um, and B, is language specifically designed to make people feel threatened in a way that I think is not exactly accurate. But because, because really, I mean, to be cynical about it, look, I've got in a way worse news for people who are being, who's lost their jobs to, to uh, an immigrant or, or their votes are diluted. It isn't that anybody's out to get you. If anything, it's that they're not thinking about you at all. I mean, you know, coastal elites don't have meetings and scheme about how to cause you pain. They just want to make more money and stuff like that. Well, they, they, and they and they love their coastal elite economy, and you are sort of right. left but on they the. Don't, but they don't sit there and think, "Yo, man, you know that guy sitting in the, you know, in the diner in Ohio." Well, and and Coulter found one this week, boy. Uh, was, if you read her column, she found somebody who basically said, "You know, fuck you, I can't wait for you to die," uh, and who's a who's an actual expert on on uh, the deplorables and goes on TV. So I'll find <laughs> hey, that. Monday, wait. Yeah, do find it. I'll find that and quote it for you. I'm sure you'll be interested. But um, in the, the uh, room. Um, okay, but the but the, the the point is finding a a new a, a better way to talk about it is uh, is not that easy. I think this. Uh, after are you thinking kidding? About to it, avoid the phrase "great hey, replacement," want to hear me do it? Sure. Oh, I, I just did it. He says they are intentionally bringing in uh, voters who will vote Democratic. And they will uh, counterbalance your vote, so they're diluting your vote. That's accurate. They're intentionally bringing right. in people so, who will work if you're looking for a harder phrase, for less. Okay, well, that's, that's accurate. That's, this that's a, isn't you know, hard. That's a good one. The, the 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 great dilution or cheap labor. But if you're trying to wrap all these up into one thing, I I think either the coal you could just throw back the coalition of the ascendant in their face. Like that means you're not ascendant, right? Look, the there's a hundred pithy labels out there that aren't the phrase "the great replacement." Right, I don't well, think I'm we trying need to find to really... a good one, Bob. Well, being constructive here. Uh, I, I'm happy to do one in my off hours for you know. I mean, this is uh, just not the, challenging. But, well, no, because you're trying to find out what the truth of of this this uh, the Tucker argument is in 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 a way that doesn't fire up the Nazis. So, one of uh, one of uh, another thing would be like uh, something that the people are left in the dustbin of history or just the uh d expendables or or uh something that implies that they're still going to exist but they're they're just ignored by everybody uh well i mean uh, in a way they're lucky hillary did the work for them <laughs> she actually called them deplorables uh you know that that works sometimes but uh and, and that's used ironically you know or semi-ironically by the steve bannons of the world but anyway i mean just the discardable the by everybody everybody use i don't think What's anybody that? uses nobody uses that not ironically anymore deplorables uh hillary is, clinton used it not ironically well, that was the last time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it didn't work but well, he, you this will annoy you but I mean, I do think, yes, they do stick around. Uh, nobody's being replaced. 
But wh wh why, you know, they, they could argue, and I, I'm not, I would never say this rhetorically in public, they could argue that they are like a, a non-fit trait in, in evolution, which uh, the people that have the non-fit trait, when the people with the fitter trait come along, uh, they, don't, they don't immediately disappear, but over the course of time, if the 60% of the fit people survive and 20% of the unfit pe people survive, eventually the entire population is fit people and there are no more unfit people over the course of centuries, decades, the fullness of time. Uh, why is, oh, I actually think they're sort of thinking like that because they do talk about natalism and birth rates, you know, and that's a long-term thing, declining birth rates. Well, they're, they're, Eventually they're not, you disappear, over centuries you disappear, but, uh, you know, well, not you anytime don't soon. Disappear. Your offspring don't disappear. Nobody disappears. What happens is the percentage, and this is their concern, the percentage of white people in the American population declines. That if you does have happen. Than this has happened. If you have a less than substitution birth rate, I think you eventually disappear. No. If 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 I if, mean if, if your if your if your orange people are only producing seven offspring for every yeah. ten people, eventually and they dwindle into nothingness, and one is left, and it it gets run over by a and truck, and you're changes gone. Changes for thousands of generations. Yeah, uh, and and trends keep going until they don't go, and so this is at this point we're just you know I mean. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm just making. I just a very... sort it out. It seems, it seems like you know, they, they're not completely insane to think over the fullness of time, over centuries, yeah. generations. But no, I they mean, will disappear. Look, if you don't have, you know, if white people don't have babies, uh, they will. There will eventually be no white people. That's true. Uh, if if they keep having babies, there will always be white people, regardless of how many immigrants there are. Okay, right. right. So I I don't uh, look. I I just can we the first I mean, the first paragraph the re, the first paragraph of this shooter's manifesto talks about white people need to have more babies. Uh, sure, so that's is, what that's what the deal is. I mean, that, I, that's, all I'm saying is not insane. Is not is not insane within his own insane world to th to use the word uh, replacement. Uh, well, uh, I think I, I think I've spent as much time being as clear as I, I can try to be about the fact that it's not literal replacement. It may be declining percentage of population, dilution, whatever. But the point isn't even, I mean, it, it's just that he's choosing to use the exact phrase that has already been used to mobilize a bunch this of crazy Tucker. motherfuckers. This is Tucker, not the Tucker, shooter. yes. I agree yes. with that. I'm conceding that point. Okay. I was just making a little academic footnote aside about uh, extinction in Darwinian terms. Well, this would not lead to what's happening now would not lead to extinction in Darwinian terms. It, it, it would lead to an ever declining uh, percentage. Again, assuming nothing ever changes. But uh, so, and, so and, and leaving aside the question whether that like whether I should actually care what percentage of the world's population has certain genes for you know skin color that i have i mean that that aside uh it's not something i wake well, up about well, but well, in the middle of the night chase says that the other crazy thing about replacement theory is first there's no conspiracy we agree on that right uh no conspiracy at least elite conspiracy of the jews there may be a conspiracy of chamber of commerce businessmen to lower wages uh and that's the purpose of the 
Chamber of Commerce is to have a conspiracy to lower wage. Uh, but that's only a partial, that's not so elite, and it's only part of American society. The second thing is he, he argues that they, they, they imply that it's a zero-sum game. In other words, if the immigrants come, the natives lose, and it's not a zero-sum game, but it is not like we have just welcomed the way it's put, but it's not like we have just welcomed some new people who are going to participate in this same wonderful non-zero-sum society that we have. It's phrased as the coalition of transformation. It is a transformation. Uh, and so it's not just there's something happening that may be threatening to people. It's not clear what Ron Brownstein means by transformation. I think he probably means when he talks about the coalition of transformation versus the coalition of restoration, he's talking about probably something with like national health care in a European welfare state, which shouldn't be all that threatening. But uh, some people may find it threatening and uh, it's not nothing. It's not, and it's not just non-zero utopia. There is a zero-sum aspect of it, which is once you transform the society, you can't have the untransformed society back. That's well, what's the nature of the transformation you're worried about? I think I I don't know. He calls it the coalition of transformation, and he, what he the, the 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 I assume, and I think that's his right. He means the Democratic Party and its policies will change society, and there's always an element of exaggeration. I mean, one of the things about Biden is he thought he was a transformational president. When he was really just nibbling at the edges of the welfare state, making little reforms here and there, even if he'd been wildly successful in his own terms. But the Democrats tend to think that it, you know, changing capitalist society 1% into a welfare state is transformational. I think that's what Brownstein meant, but he uses loaded words like transformation, which scare the shit out of people. Well, almost every political rhetorician uses transformation in some way they consider positive at some point. Uh, it, it, you don't like the direction of transformation he's talking about. And uh, I, I sort of do like the direction of transformation he's talking about, but but all I'm saying is that it's a it's a loaded word, like replacement is a loaded word. Transformation? Yeah. He's not transforming. He's he's uh, he, he's, he's, he's he's reforming the welfare state. Well, they're never transforming when they say they're transforming. I'm just saying all politicians say this. Well, sometimes they are transforming. And gurus say, you know, they'll you can have personal transformation. Sometimes they are transforming. Sometimes. So I, uh, I, I think there's more to say about this in that I well, read this. Well, maybe we should save some of it for the parrot room. We're, in we're 20 minutes into this. It is clearly the most important thing to talk about. Okay. Well, there were the elections. There's Ukraine okay. stuff. Okay. There's okay. Uh, that zany Jenny Thomas. There's uh, okay. Um, okay. I, I, now, since you didn't have a visual aid this week, can I use one? Yeah. So, uh, this this page, front page of the New York Times, doubly exemplifies uh, my nostalgia for a, a simpler and purer era in American journalism. There's two of the kind of the kinda, coalition of restoration. That's me. I'm going to be, it's, it'll be transformative. Uh, it, it'll replace all that came it'll before. It'll be untransformative. Uh, it'll replace the New York Times staffers. Um, so uh, just two headlines <laughs> that trigger Bob. One, and they're, and they're the same. And both of these, I maintain, are kinds of headlines you would not have seen, I think, even 10 years ago. I, I think pre-Trump, honestly, even though only one of them is related to Trump. So 
In primaries, GOP voters reward a lie. Now that's, uh, you know, you know, the lie, the big lie. I agree. It's, it's, it's not true. Uh, what, lie, yeah. what lie were they rewarding? There's so many of well, them. Well, the election lie. Uh, I assume the election, you know, the well, lie that the, Trump the guy won in the election. The guy in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. yeah for example. Okay. Well, and he's the big example. And my, there, are other, my, there are other people who lost. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, my, my issue is, strictly speaking, you don't know somebody's uh, lying unless you know what's going on inside their head. They may just be wrong. And I honestly think there's a real chance Trump thinks he won the election. Other, others are more cynical and may know that he didn't, but they want to they kiss up to him. Who knows? Uh, but it just used to be, I think, a, a matter of procedure at America's Greatest Newspapers. You don't use that word. You use, you know, demonstrably untrue, maybe, or unfounded or whatever. Uh, you don't you don't use the word like as you never know. Now, then here's the, this other headline. Uh, Russia exploits capture of Ukrainians to push false terrorism claims. OK, so this is Russia. Uh, finally, wow. finally, those guys uh, surrendered in uh, in Mariupol. My hat's off to him for lasting that long. And uh, of course, because they're the Azov Brigade, I mean, they're they're the guys that you know they're a lot of what Putin means when he says Nazis. Of course, they're gonna we, you know we knew this they were not going to meet an ordinary fate. Apparently, they weren't killed, which is good. Uh, but I think he plans to try some of them as terrorists. And the New York Times again, I think in olden times you would say they claim they're terrorists. Okay, now. I just want to say two things by way of background. Okay, so the Azov Brigade, uh, as recently as uh, like two and a half years ago, 39 members of America's Congress asked the State Department to deem the Azov Brigade a terrorist group. Okay, this is this is not, you know, just uh, sheerly a Putin hallucination. There have long been issues with the Azov Brigade. The State Department turned them down. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it is safe to say, if you followed the history here, that at some point within the last five or 10 years, uh, members of the Azov Brigade, at least some members of the Azov Brigade, have done things to ethnic Russians in Ukraine that if they were done to Americans, we would probably call the people who did them terrorists. The yeah. other thing, what, what, what's that? They use the same symbol as the Buffalo shooter used to start his manifesto. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So there's this thing called the Black Sun. It's got 12. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the part of the Azov Brigade uh, insignia that's normally singled out as having a Nazi legacy is the thing that looks a little swastika-ish, uh, but it's kind of like lightning, yeah. you know? Yeah. But but in some of the Azov Brigade, uh, and I don't know how old these patches are. They could be very old. There is behind that this this dark sun, this twelve yeah. like sectored sun or something that is an exact replica of a Nazi thing. Right. And anyway, the Buffalo shooting. Anyway, shooting you were on a roll. I interrupted okay. you. you okay, I just want to say, like a few years ago, Trump declared the Iranian, uh, the IRGC, uh, which is a big component of the Iranian military, uh, a terrorist group, and, and and a lot of people said, "Whoa, this is unprecedented. Nobody's ever called." Uh, a part of the military of a state government, a terrorist group. Well, Putin is now following in his footsteps. But the, the larger point I want to make is, uh, I suspect if you 
you know, if you kind of looked at the evidence and tried to argue, okay, IRGC is, isn't terrorist, Azov Brigade is, isn't terrorist, I suspect it would be kind of the same type of, of, of challenging question to get to the bottom of. In both cases, you'd have some evidence, but certainly with the IRGC, a huge percentage of members of the IRGC would not have not done things like that. It's a very large group. Uh, probably the same with the Azov Brigade. But the New York Times would never say America's false declaration of you know, th that this is a terrorist group, okay? And again, I'm, I know I'm naive. My ideal of a journalist is somebody who transcends national identity. It's, it, it's, I would have thought you would uh, have praised the New York Times because its editorial page is moving in what I would consider a better direction, which is they're saying, what exactly are, after being gung-ho, you know, endless war for Ukraine, they're, uh, they're saying, what exactly are our war aims now? Do we want to bring this war to a peaceful close that, uh, it, to a close in a way that respects, you know, your Ukraine's sovereignty, or or do we want to like weaken Putin and and depose Putin? And there've been all sorts of noises about, you know, weakening Putin. And uh, you know, there was a David Frum tweet that alarmed me, which said we have a huge opportunity now to strike it, you know, <laughs> to 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 win giant victories for the West. And that sort of that's that sort of talk scares me. And the New York Times is sort of pulling back from that, and that's a good thing. I think their 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 editorial page is now out of sync with their front page. Yeah, the editorial was very good, and 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 it uh, you know they basically said uh, a lot of. I mean, I, I found myself in like ninety percent agreement with it. Like they they said that they you know they think um, we we need to tell Ukraine that uh, we we you know. It, First of all, it is an endless war could be a very bad and dangerous thing. And we need to tell Ukraine, we're not going to support an endless war. Um, and, and, and we need to get them to, in effect, to start thinking about solutions to this that end with something other than them taking back everything, including Crimea, which is and just have, either not going to happen, but only happen in the context of some kind of apocalypse. And we now have 40 billion uh arguments in our favor having passed this massive aid bill. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and nobody really makes, maybe they do, but people don't really make your point, which is uh, we should in, insist on some conditions to this 40 billion. Uh, it's not just a gift from the United States to Ukraine. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody, there, there was a, 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 a Ben Wittes, you know, he's a prominent, uh, you know, know, like he Blobster. He's, he's Lawfare. He's Lawfare, which is Brookings. He's a very prominent, you know, he, he's the guy, if you remember, who during Russia Gate, every time there was a development he thought was significant, he'd fire off the little cannon. You remember that? Yeah, that didn't age well. No, because it turned out there had been no significant developments in Russia Gate, and yet the cannon had fired many times. Um, anyway, the uh, I want to I want to go actually go over a Twitter thread. Of his, I'll do this in the parrot room. It it'll take a little while. Uh, in reaction to this New York Times editorial, there's just a classic of blob non-argument argument. It's like well, zero actual argumentation. What? I'd be, I'd be interested in that. You can go to it now if you want. Oh. Okay. You, okay. If you want me to, I will. Uh, it's. I mean, where are we on time? Uh, or we could leave it if we have time at the end. I could do it. Um, I mean. 
Okay. But there are other things to talk about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, including, um, as long as we're talking Ukraine, I got to do my mea culpa. I, by the way, yours was done very uh, gracefully I, and well. I, okay. I have one more point to make, but go ahead. On Ukraine? Yeah, which is the fact that he's do, he's making a big deal of of, of winning Mariupol or you know capturing this town and putting these people on trial, isn't that a, sort of a good thing in the way that it it, it lets him claim some sort of victory, uh, which might conceivably uh, help achieve some sort of settlement? No, I kind of felt that way. You want him to have a chance to crow to, I mean, I mean, especially if it's something that was inevitable anyway, which this was, it's not a surprise that eventually they'd surrender. Um, you know, you'd like it to be the kind of thing that will make it easier for him to stop the fighting, you'd hope in the not too near future. I, I, I feel I, I have a kind of related reaction to Sweden and Finland uh, apparently being on their way to joining NATO on the one hand, I wish Americans would take all these things more seriously. And when somebody wants to join NATO, they would pause and say, okay, this is serious at our end. We are saying if they are invaded, we will come to their aid. And of course, it is for practical purposes, not reciprocal, because we're not going to be invaded by Mexico or Canada or something, right? Like, so at least think this through. That said, I think since it's going to be basically impossible to end this war with Russia completely expelled and Putin getting completely negative reinforcement for this, it's good for him to get what negative reinforcement he can get. And in a way, Finland joining NATO, Finland especially, is that. In other words, it'll it'll be more reason for people to look at the invasion and go, well, this didn't go well for him. And so it has that upside, whatever you think of expanding NATO. And of course, traditionally, I'm not a fan of expanding NATO, to put it mildly. You were making some other point about Ukraine. Well, I interrupted. yeah, well, so I, there's something I got wrong last week, and I think I got it wrong while you were away from the camera. Don't ever do that again, Mickey. Um, you were, you went to answer the door. Yeah, some and, people objected to that. I, I don't. Well, anyway. I object to it because it led, I had to fill the time and I said something stupid. Uh, it, it was when you came back and said, are you still talking about the river? The river was the problem. So here's what had happened. Oh, I, yeah. was, I was making the point that in my view, the, the the kind of Western sources of, for information on this war, especially including the Institute for the Study of War, this kind of neocon arms industry funded thing that the New York part Times of, relies very heavily part on. Of, part of the Kagan Industrial Complex. The I Kagan want to get Industrial that concept complex. into the discourse. I, I, you know, I have reflected on that phrase a couple of times since you threw it out last week. I like that, the Kagan Industrial Complex. Anyway, go ahead. But the, of course, there's also the crystal industrial complex and the K and crystal industry. It gets complicated. The the um, but uh, so and I was saying, like for example, and this was news that was just breaking at the time, and I was got a little over my skis. I said, you know, there were a satellite shot of a bunch of tanks, uh, a bunch of armor blown up around a river, and the West uh, was saying. Uh, wow, we totally, you know, destroyed the Russians here. But now there's some evidence that maybe some of the vehicles were Ukrainian. And also it looks like the Russians, one way or the other, got across the river at any event. Um, the, the the river thing may be true. They may have gotten across the river at a different crossing. But if so, they were beaten back. And it's conceivable some of the vehicles were Ukrainian. But the fact is, this was an overwhelming defeat uh, for Russia in this specific battle, at least according to the consensus that congealed and I have not heard any of the the, the pro-Russia uh, people who were originally 
and I think honestly raising questions about it. They weren't they, they weren't uh, trying to mislead us, but I haven't heard them pushing back. So I think I was wrong about that. Uh, I will say though, I think I mean I shouldn't bring this up. Uh, I may just make the same mistake, but I think we're in the middle of something like what I thought had happened that time, which is just that uh, it's you know I told you uh, I think I mentioned that you know weeks before. Russia had taken this town of Papazna. I had heard from the, you know, like the Russians with attitude guys saying, keep your eye on Papazna, very important town. And then the Russians took it and uh, the Western, nobody in the West kind of acknowledged it. You know, these guys explained why it's important. It's elevated. I think, I think uh, you know, it was pretty well defended by Ukraine. Russians took it a couple of weeks ago or something or a week ago. Um, and then Yesterday, uh, I, now I haven't checked within the last few hours, but I think there's still good reason to believe something uh, that was clear 24 hours ago, but is still not penetrated Western consciousness apparently, which is that the, uh, Papazna has become the site of, uh, you know, the the uh, they're like arrows branching out in all directions from Papazna by one, uh, particularly the West. The Russians have apparently, uh, it, some people make it sound like an actual breakthrough of the kind we discussed where you just keep bombarding the lines and then finally, you know, it's no moss and they find a place to get through. But in any event, it seems pretty clear that partly because of what's happening in Papazna and 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 uh, Russian thrusts out of Papazna um, and partly for other reasons, this, 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 city town of, of uh, uh, what's it called? It's called Severodonetsk in Luhansk. It looks like that's gonna be the next big battle. Uh, but also, uh, I, I don't know, we'll see. But I, I think even as we speak, um, it's gonna, it, it's becoming harder for them to say, well, the Russians are making almost no progress in the, in the East. I fear, we'll, we'll see. We, why do we want to say the Russians are making no progress? We want well, want to say the Russians should declare victory and go home. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, the question is how little, you would like the smallest amount of fighting that can happen uh, that can lead to an enduring peace, you know? And, not, and that has to be something that Putin can at least claim as a victory. Now, the truth is, he's taken a lot of land. Look at the map. They, he's, you know, uh, there's a lot of land. They, uh, you know, they have restored the supply of water to um, Crimea, which me, which is good for farmers and everything. You know, Ukraine had cut that off. They're they're holding the land above that that allows them to do that. Taking the land, the land and holding it are two different things. Well, they are, and and I think in that area in particular, it may be challenging around, yeah. or at least around Kherson. But uh, this this Donetsk. Uh, if they take that and this town immediately adjacent to it, that'll pretty much be the entire province of Luhansk. That'll give Putin a chance to do some more bragging if he wants. Um, do you buy any of the Putin health rumors? It's funny. He, you know, uh, none of us look better as we get older. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I speak only for myself, Mickey. I'm not referring to you, but the, uh, but, but, it may be a little unusual to look so much puffier. I don't know. Is it? Can, can that just be weight gain? That, that's the unusual thing is, right? He looks puffy. 
Right. I guess he looks puffy. I don't know. People you look puffy when they inject steroids into their face and when they mm. take steroids and when they inject Botox into their face, but why would Putin care that much about wrinkles? I mean, well, there've long there've long been uh, thought that he's had cosmetic surgery going back a ways. Yeah. So. I mean, if you're going to attract the youngest finest gymnasts in Russia, you really you really need to pick up the lines around the eyes. Um it's not just enough to wield uh despotic power. You also have what's the point of despotic power, Mickey, if you're not if you're not dating the youngest, finest gymnast in Russia? Well, that, yeah, but I think you know, it's a you question. You brought of, up Darwin. I didn't. But, yeah. OK. Uh, um, uh, well. OK, I, I was troubled. I thought it was amazing that Mitch McConnell, who's now completely broken with Trump and backed the 40 billion and wholeheartedly, not 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 like not like sort of tepidly, like a lot of people like. Uh, you know, Rich Lowry, but wholeheartedly said, if we want to stop the Chinese in in Taiwan, we the way to do it is to win in Ukraine. So he's basically adopted the whole Niall Ferguson prediction of what the West, you know, would uh, would do, which Niall Ferguson I think thought was idiotic, uh, uh, has now been embraced uh, explicitly by Mitch McConnell. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, Taiwan's a complicated question. I think, I, I mean, I've warned against what I think may be a mistake we made in Ukraine, which was in in uh, flood, you know, sending in a lot of weapons and stuff since, you know, the Trump, I guess midway through the Trump years or something, um, thinking, well, we're building up the deterrent, decreasing the chances they'll invade. I, I think in retrospect, it's fairly clear that Putin just saw that as a growing threat, realized it was going to get worse. That's not the only reason he invaded, but to the extent that it factored in, uh, I think he was like, well, better act now. It's getting a lot worse. Um, my, so you got to be careful because the, that that incentive has two sides. My impression is that the Ukrainians were, were, were not like insensitive to this. They when we sent them the javelins that Obama wouldn't authorize and Trump would authorize, I think they kept them in storage because they figured if they deployed them, they would provoke mm. Putin. So it's not like um, it, 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 it's not like they you know, they may have miscalculated, but but it's not like they didn't try to calculate. Maybe I think there was a genuine perception on the Russian side that 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 Ukraine was preparing for a much more thoroughgoing assault on that separatist-held region. Um, well, there, there was, a, you know, that was that was midway through Trump's presidency, so it was a long time ago. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it was, but I mean, I, I think that was, that was the context for the way he read everything since, all the weapons yeah. going in and, and, and uh, of course, now obviously, like, you know, that's, I have to issue the disclaimer, none of this excuses an invasion. I mean, the land he was worried about was not his land. It was still within the sovereign territory of Ukraine, the part that was separatist held. Um, I should have said Trump's first presidency. I wonder when the, how long, how right. long it will take for the Trumpists to adopt that and start calling it the Biden interregnum. Um, Jenny Thomas is probably already doing that. Now, uh, so did you see this news flash right before we taped? Kind of, I think it was like a flash. No, is it, uh, I, I think all the Ginny Thomas news flashes are not very important, but go ahead. She's a crazy aware. 
That yeah, girl. This is, uh, you tell me if it's new. You follow this stuff uh, more closely than I do. This is from the Washington Post. Virginia, quote, Jenny Thomas, conservative activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, pressed Arizona lawmakers after the 2020 election to set aside Joe Biden's popular vote victory and choose, quote, a clean slate of electors, unquote, according to emails obtained by the Washington Post. That seems like not nothing to me. I, mean, I guess it's a it's a little beyond what she what what had come out before about around January sixth, which is like, you know, her 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 grasping at any straw that might uh, legally produce a Trump victory. This sounds like one that would illegally produce a Trump victory. Yeah, and she is the uh, wife but, of a Supreme Court, and and you gotta kind of assume. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they have they more or less a shared worldview here, and that. Clarence himself, if they, if these Arizona lawmakers had called him, might have said, "Yeah, give it a go." I uh, they, I that, I don't know. That seems far fetched. But uh, um, now maybe maybe he just likes her zany craziness. He, yeah. she's look. She would inject real dynamism into any marriage. I think. <laughs> um, the uh, now. You are. I'm. I, I wait your interpretation of all these elections. Of course, uh, on this particular issue, it, it's what is it, Mazatriano, or what's his name in Pennsylvania, who is scaring uh, uh, Democrats, especially because he. I he, forget, but he, I, I don't want to try to pronounce it. But in Pennsylvania, you know the the there's a there's a uh, everybody agrees there were mixed results. He lost some in Idaho, in Pennsylvania. He endorsed this crazy guy, I think it's Mastriano for governor, who many people fear is a surefire loser uh, in in November. And he also endorsed Oz against McCormick, who, who was a, this hedge funder who was, they were both vying for his uh, for his endorsement. Um, and, and it looks like Oz is going to, they're still counting votes. There's going to be an automatic recount probably. Uh, which which means that anybody could win, but it looks like Oz is going to eke out a like you know 10, 20, 300 vote margin uh, by the time they officially finish counting, and then who knows who's going to win after it. I I'm emotionally rooting for Oz just because uh, for some of the same reasons Trump might have not endorsed McCormick is 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 as as my friend John Ellis said, McCormick was a comer. In other words, McCormick is running for president. He's not running for a senator. And the day after he gets elected senator, he's going to start campaigning for president, and he has a plausible shot. So if you don't like a Goldman Sachs-type hedge funder being president, you want to, uh, as they say, you want to shoot his missile down before, shortly after it leaves the launch pad, not wait till it's in descend mode. And uh, so... Uh, so that's what Trump tried to do. He tried to strangle the baby in the bath, uh, and um, may have succeeded uh, if 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 Oz, you know, if, if Oz wins. So that's a, a potential sort of mini victory for Trump. Uh, John John Ellis argues that his losses. He endorsed some really crazy people in Idaho who got who got thumped, and Ellis argues that that's okay. It doesn't really damage him because he was he's trying to show. You know the base uh, that he's with them, and that sort of has value even if he loses. Uh, there's sort of a split between those who sort of want to say that Trump is losing, uh, and he's going to get killed next week in Georgia because 
his his the two people he hates are going to win big, Raffensperger and Kemp. Raffensperger uh, is especially resonant. Right? Yeah, I think he hates. Yeah, but he hates. He, both he of was them. the Secretary of State, who though a Republican, kept insisting, "Look, this election is legit." Right, but um, and and uh, but but I think Kemp did too, and uh, so anyway, he's going to. So Raffensperger uh, was in charge of the process right, directly. Okay, right there, there, there are people like Peggy Noonan who look for signs that. Trump is losing uh, his grip on voters, and and they 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 uh, quote this Kathy Barnett quote. She finished third. She was the dark horse yeah. uh, who I thought might might take it all. Uh, that you know we we had your Trump values before you came along, and we were Trump. You know Trump came to us. We didn't come to Trump. And that's sort of bogus because I mean Trump really did put together a coalition that was new that hadn't existed before. The Tea Party existed, but they were very anti-government. Trump's coalition is not anti-government. It's it's accepts big government, it accepts social security, accepts all sorts of things that Republicans had never accepted on that scale before, uh, accepted even that we shouldn't touch social security. Uh, and uh, so Trump should get credit for that that Barnett doesn't get credit for. Uh, but I think there's a way, so everybody's looking for a way, how, how can we get Trump not to run again? Well, one way is if the base rejects him, and I think Ellis is sort of right that there are not enough signs that the base is rejecting him yet to say he, you know, he's going to get defeated in the primaries, worth a shot. But um, the, other, the other possibility is we want him to have a Putin-like off-ramp, and uh, this writer for the Washington Post, Paul Kane, suggested what might, to my mind, be an off-ramp, which is he's going to have all these senators, at least maybe four, who sort of owe loyalty to him and not to Mitch McConnell. Uh -huh. they, they, and, and they so he could get rid of Mitch McConnell and fancy himself a the power behind the throne in the Senate in a real way that Obama never is, never did. Obama could have had that authority if he... If Obama had run around the country endorsing people and building a network of people loyal to Obama, he could have been the Democratic dark power, you know, so even wait, now. Actually, actually depose McConnell as a bone to Trump? Yeah, that's uh, and, and, and continue and install a Trump-approved guy, and Trump could say, I'm the kingmaker of the power behind the Senate. I don't have to run for president. I have all the power I need. <laughs> um, it would be bullshit, but it would save the country from a second Trump Would this term. be like an explicit deal? You go you go to Trump's place and say, look, we'll get rid of Mitch. You got to promise us you're well, not going to run. Some of them have promised to get rid of Mitch. Yeah, but he I would, he, but he would, who would believe his, nobody would believe a Trump promise. I mean, would you, if he agreed to do something, would you? Well, if he agreed to endorse you, yeah. I mean, wait, I mean. I thought, I, I thought uh, wait, maybe I'm confused. I, I thought this was going to get him to drop out of the race, no? Oh, you mean an explicit deal to drop out of the race? No, yeah. I wasn't thinking that explicit. I was just thinking in his emotional id, if it looked like he might embarrass himself in the in the run by not, you know, winning by his big, you know, he, and he's looking for a way out. And also he gets, you know, a way to keep all that money that he's raised. Nikki, have uh, I told you about the lessons of Munich? Uh <laughs> You give him Mitch McConnell and he'll take uh, Poland or something. Well, as long as he doesn't run, he can try to run the next time. At some point, he's going to be told to run. Mm -hmm. He can say, yeah, I'll run in 2028. That's fine. Settle for that now. How, how old is he? 
I don't know. We, that, that's easily I mean, findable. See, this is the thing. The Democrats, you just have to run somebody reasonably young, articulate, clear, and then Trump is just going to look like this doddering fool. But if you run him against Joe Biden, he's going to seem maybe not quite young and dynamic, but... He doesn't look like a doddering fool in any respect. He looks... Oh, come on. What did he do? Just what was his dynamic. famous... Wait, what was his famous gaffe that if Biden had done it... Um, oh, by the way, the George W. Bush gaffe. Could you believe it? That was that was an excellent gaffe. It wasn't as bad... Wasn't as great as... Wasn't as great as the uh, Madison Cawthorn gaffe. Which was what? He tweeted about how uh, he's not going to take orders from the Gentile elite. <laughs> what did he mean, gentle? Well, he said he he changed it to genteel. Oh, genteel, yeah, that makes more which sense. Which is it's plausible that he didn't know how to spell, but. Oh wait, no, but it's totally plausible. It wouldn't make sense for him to mean gentile, right? He's a gentile. If anything, he, he would mean Jewish elite, right? Um, he's a Trumpist. Uh, you could you could twist it into an anti-Semitic thing where he he'd written off the Jews and now the Gentiles were after him. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's uh, the Bush gaffe was was, but then he said Iraq too. That was the incredible thing. I thought that was what he was saying, kind of under his. I mean, he was under trying to breath, just turn it into whatever too. kind of joke he could turn it into. I think most people who saw that didn't appreciate how perfect it is. Iraq was what we. Often, the way we often couch rightly, I think this is when we're couching the, the indictment of Russia the right way, is that the big crime was to indict a sovereign nation, a violation of international law. That's exactly what we did in Iraq. And I don't know how many Americans really appreciate that, that we did exactly the same thing. Now, the difference is uh, we didn't, well, we weren't. We didn't, you know, so obviously planning to occupy the territory, but we were planning to keep bases forever there. That's what the weekly uh, standard was editorializing for. They were, uh, and, you know, well, but anyway, same crime, folks, same crime. I, this is, this is a, uh, I don't quite buy the Bob international borders or everything argument. It didn't Clinton claim that there was, they had authorization under previous UN decrees that, Saddam was violating. So there was some well, some international Clinton, law or, argument or, that Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, well, uh, at I, the time I, when he wanted to endorse the war, said, you don't even need this UN resolution. We have all the authority we need under the previous resolutions. I think that's probably bullshit. I mean, there is a common misconception that, like, if a country violates international law, then it, or, or violates some UN mandate or something, then if you, an individual nation, take it upon yourself to decide they violated it and punish them, you have international law fully on, on your side. No, it's like if I think my neighbors are dealing drugs and I break into their house and there's drugs, I still face, you know, I was supposed to call the police. I, I don't well, have we, that authority. We, it all, it all depends law. on what the terms of the... UN resolution yeah. were maybe the terms of we will end this we will end this Iraq war, you know the first Gulf War, and the grounds is that we deputize the coalition of the willing to decide when you Saddam violated it. We don't know what the terms were. I don't know anyway. Yeah, I, I haven't heard uh, a very strong argument. I mean, Kofi but, uh, Annan himself, the Secretary General of the United Nations, said it was illegal. And I, I'm I'm maybe a bigger supporter of the Iraq War than. Bush. It still seems to me that's a, 
a, a significant, not majority possibility that in the long run, it will work out for the better. But clearly the government of Iraq now is better than the government that was there before. They have elections, they, the guy's they're, trying to please people. Brutal. Yeah, I mean, too bad about all the people who have, who have well, died. Yeah, well, there are a lot of dead people. I agree with that. People die. But um, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, so uh, quickly, uh, uh, just quickly back to the election, this Fetterman guy in Pennsylvania, so you is he gonna win the general? Uh, most I, people I get think scared. no. It, when I see him posing with that "Don't tread on weed" flag, you know, and <laughs> I don't know, he, man. He's very he's traditionally progressive, but he's he's made concessions at various points, like he switched his position on fracking, for example. So he will. He, he's a very formidable candidate because he has all the attitude of an ordinary guy, and he has left positions. But he will change them when necessary to please the electorate, and and this guy, uh, this guy McCormick, if McCormick wins, he's tailor made for Fetterman to run against, running against a rich hedge funder from out of state. You know, I mean, I mean that's like, that's like, that's perfect for him. Oz is a little more difficult, and I, most people th seem to think that that the Republican will win just because it's a Republican year. Uh, the Democrats are building up Fetterman as their savior. They would run it for president in 2024 if they could. Uh, and uh, maybe, you know, they could have him and Stacey Abrams, two losers who have national potential but couldn't win their states. But but he, he seems to be an appealing guy. Uh, his wife was very appealing. He has a great wife. And uh, Wait, Fetterman's wife? Yeah, because Fetterman had a stroke and his wife is talking for him now. Yeah. Uh, and he's had a pacemaker implanted, so for a few days at least. He's not I, doing you, much I'd be talking. careful about ooing and aahing over his wife, man. That guy could crush either of us with his, like, between his pinky and his thumb. I have more agility, Bob. Um, uh, anyway, the so one of, one of the things I wanted to talk about, they're like, they're like seven bogus Biden, like, themes of, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. I better stress this, and this will save me. And... Uh, one of them is uh, one of them is, you know, I can be more like Fetterman. Another one is th th this poll tested thing. Wait, where, you mean uh, this is what Democrats are thinking, or Biden himself? Biden can't be like Fetterman. The Democrats are thinking, but they, okay. they probably are thinking that even Biden can be more like Fetterman, uh, uh, more more approachable, talk to voters. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's all a matter of attitude. Uh, they're they're like Biden has has this poll tested theme where he, he he's discovered that MAGA is unpopular, so he's uh, you know he's um, uh, he's calling the Republicans MAGA ultra MAGA super MAGA on the grounds that that there's a slight differential that voters don't like the word MAGA. Uh, Roe is going to save him. Uh, calling the Republicans crazy election deniers is going to save him. Uh, talking about white supremacy is going to save him. Uh, dumping on this Rick Scott agenda that, if you read it right, would sunset Social Security, uh, which is like a completely bogus charge. Obviously, the Republicans aren't going to sunset Social Security. Uh, uh, that'll save him. The one thing that the one thing that that he's not trying is doing what Fetterman did on fracking, which is moderating his position. 
so and even though even if you would want to moderate it, uh, it's not clear you could get away with it. There's this very telling uh, page in this in this this will not pass book uh, where Biden goes out on the stump and he says, as he had said in the campaign, I don't like student loan forgiveness beyond ten thousand dollars. I was like, give him ten thousand. That's my limit. Okay, I'm, and mm -hmm. within a day, President Klain had overruled him and <laughs> assured Democratic progressive groups that don't worry, Biden doesn't mean what he said, and got Biden to switch his position. So who's in charge here? Uh, even even when Biden wants to move slightly to the right, uh, his his staff doesn't let him. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so you, that sounded like a, it should be an issue of your newsletter. You got the seven things that they that they think can save them, I and, I, and I've got something better that's uh, totally unlike the seven. That's classic. You should do it. But once I've said it here, what's the what's the point of going to the labor of writing it? No, see, this is the kind of thinking that keeps you and me uh, mired in obscurity, Mickey. You look at the great names out there. In the in the modern uh, media ecosystems, and they're all saying the same shit. Well, that's Seven. that's the Dick Stroud principle, which is write every piece three times. And maybe Glenn Greenwald does it, but other people like Matt Iglesias generates so much copy he doesn't have to repeat his pieces three times. He, yeah, he, but, he but even we, doesn't he doesn't publicize his pieces enough. He, he has another one waiting. He doesn't have time to publicize the previous one. But we think there's actually more than one Matt Iglesias too, don't we? Well, there's less of him now than there was before because he's lost some weight apparently. Okay. You could you could uh, you could stretch him out and he'd be Fetterman. <laughs> but anyway, uh, never mind. Um, I, I I I would I just meant to stand in awe of his productivity. I'll I'll leave all the other commentary to you. Um, so we've been doing this an hour, Mickey. Uh, uh I, I to, guess yeah. I'm trying to I, think of if I had any more top line above the fold topics. I feel I should hedge on on what I said about this town of Papazna because I'm probably out over my skis again. But it does seem like the, the thrust to the west is an example of the other thing we were talking about where you know you just keep look, first of all, I think both the Russians and the Ukrainians are taking more casualties than we than is obvious in the east. I just think it's a it's a bloodbath, but uh, you know we had been talking about how if you just the Russian approach of just endless artillery bombardment, it's like doesn't look like they're making progress, doesn't look like they're making progress, and then one day that the, you just you know you you reach this uh, critical mass of of destruction and carnage, and the line breaks, and it looks like maybe that happened west of Papazna. Maybe not. And of course, when that does happen, you, the, the the troops that exploit it can always get overextended. That happens a lot, and then uh, and then you've got them in a so-called uh, salient, right? As we say. Um, um, so uh, yeah. No, the 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 other things to talk about are not um, are are you know they they're paratable. Okay, so let's uh, talk about what some of them are. Uh, well, have you have you seen any of Severance yet? It took me forever to get uh, to get Plus? it to work to get Apple to work. I had to remember my Apple fucking Plus. Apple password, which is like I live in dread of having to remember my Apple password. Have you thought about writing it down? 
there's too many passport to passwords to write down. I think my Apple password may be Apple password, but um, anyway, I figured it down, out. Wait, you don't write down your passwords anywhere? No, it, it'd be, it's, it's, I'd have to hunt for the piece of paper to write them down on. And that would be all another layer of complexity. Okay. One thing we're going to do just is, is I'm going to counsel you on password management. Okay. Okay. And, um, and this is free for anybody else who wants to listen, although you do have to pay. Uh, well, I've seen the first 10 minutes of severance and it seems promising. Okay, well, we can raise at least uh, one severance related but, issue then uh, if you, you know what the premise is. Vaguely. Um, there, there are a couple of things to say about COVID. There's the baby formula. There's the oh, yeah, huge, Elon, huge developments in Elon Musk Gawker sex scandal. Wait, you know, was it Elon on Musk uh, sex scandal? Yeah, they, 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 ah, they ah, I mean, it's a bogus scandal. It's, it's like he settled for $250,000 with a stewardess who accused him of harassing her. Um, Wait, all he, all he did was harass her and he had to give her $250,000? You well, could give more I would think $250,000 would I should have be, a word with him. What? I would think that would be the nuisance settlement fee for a guy like Elon Musk, but maybe I'm wrong. But maybe he did a little more. He, he, I think she may have been an employee, uh, and he mm. said he offered her more money, buy her a house if she gave him a little more service than was maybe you know normal in a, on a private We're air flight. We're in the room territory. We don't uh, talk like so, this on the public. Politics, okay. Nikki. There's uh, uh, there's Amber Heard versus Elon Musk stuff, and, and, and COVID. Uh, 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 there there is COVID stuff. I have too. There's there's the Amber Heard trial, and there's a debate whether this trial is at all important or not. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, I got sucked into a little, YouTube. Al YouTube's algorithm has um, got me totally figured out and they sucked me into that. Really? Okay. Yeah, um, I, well, plus a commenter in the parrot room, thanks a lot, Molly. And they, they didn't suck you into Elon Musk? Okay, that says a lot. Um, no, I'm, a, I'm conversant in Elon Musk things, except not, I, I'm not interested in sex generally. So I didn't There's a Jonathan Chate article that I actually liked a lot. About, that is news. You, no, you buried your lead. No, Mickey Kaus likes John Chate piece. It's about charter schools, Bob. Um, <laughs> there's... Uh, Zen, go ahead. Um, anyway, there's Title 42, unemployment fraud. That's all. I, that's what I got. Okay, uh, I, I, for my end, uh, my, uh, for my part, uh, I'm going to talk a little more about uh, the latest chapter of Dead End, the podcast about the murder, the politically charged murder in my neck of the woods. Um, is that why you're in an underground bunker? <laughs> I tell you, if because, I keep talking about because this, you're like on the lam. Uh, uh, you joke, you joke. <laughs> but Bob, every once in a while, has second thoughts about what he says in the pair room about this subject. This is, this is. It's New Jersey, Jake. Um, They'll the, find you, Bob. I, 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 they won't They'll find, find you if you're at the bottom of the ocean in a submarine. That's after they find me that I'm at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> the uh, so um, wait, 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 more. Oh, I'm going to finally say this thing about the origins of Ukrainian nationalism. That that'll that'll pack the house. That'll get them in. Uh, I guess I'll do this. I, I, I will do a, an exegesis on this Ben Wittes uh, thread. It's just a it's just a classic of uh, it's like it's like you know he's a big guy to think tank and it's just another reason they should just rename the think tanks field tanks. This isn't thinking; it's feeling. We need um, we need think tanks. 
Okay. He has thought before. He has thought. I he, like he, him because just, occasionally he 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 writes something that's against his shtick. No, he's a smart guy, and the funny thing is, like, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of stuff on lawfare is hyper cerebral, but I'm sorry, this is just uh, this is just beyond the pale. I I, I forgot I had if if we're getting if we're getting into the complicated story, I have my um discussion of the complicated issue about about uh, you know using inflammatory concept like replacement theory that Ramesh Panuru ducked in his column. And and uh, I think it's an actual difficult issue. So we'll get to that. Okay. Pinpointing it. I have a chart. See a chart. Oh, good. I had a matrix. I even had a matrix. Anyway. That'll, okay. that'll get him to go to patreon.com slash parrot room and uh, join the many happy patrons one of whom got me sucked into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard quagmire. Suck Bob in. Suck Bob in. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. See you there. <laughs>